0: I invite the rest of you to join me in opening your Bibles to the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to John. As I mentioned earlier, it's a favorite among believers. Uh, Always has been, always will be, the world over. It's the chapter in the Bible that talks about Jesus being the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And we're going to begin looking at John chapter 10 this morning. I'm certainly thrilled that we're going to be able to do that. We're also going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a great way of uh, wrapping up our time together in his word. The one who gives himself for us, wants uh, wants to remind us that we trust in him. The one whose work is done. And so the bread and the wine symbolize his body and his blood being given for us. The shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. There are a couple of things, at least a couple of things you need to know before we jump into John chapter 10. And the first thing that's important before we read John 10, and oftentimes we don't do this, is, to state the obvious, John chapter 9. Okay, So in John chapter 9, and even the way John 10 opens, it's assuming that we're still reading, even the wording of John 10. And here's why this is crucial. In John 9, Jesus has magnificently, shown compassion and love and power towards someone who was suffering, right? The man born blind, his whole life he'd been blind, and Jesus heals him miraculously, objectively, wonderfully, compassionately, and the man is drawn to Jesus, and he comes to the point of believing in Jesus as Savior, to the point of worshiping Jesus. But what happened as a result? What happens as a result is the religious establishment, the religious leaders, the leaders of Israel, the Pharisees, they don't see Jesus for who he really is. They don't see him as the Messiah and join in worship. They don't commend the man for worshiping Jesus, which they should do. Instead, in John 9, they excommunicate him. Okay? They treat him harshly he's kicked out, his life is going to be a mess, his social life, his economic life, his religious life, and then we read John chapter 10, Jesus is the good shepherd, here's where I'm going, that is on purpose by way of contrast with the Jewish religious leaders who are supposed to be shepherds to the people of God. Okay, that, that's their role. That's, they're, they're spiritual overseers. They're spiritual caretakers. They're supposed to feed the people. They're supposed to care for the people. And instead, what do they do? They abuse them. And they treat them harshly. They demean them. And so I think it's important that we remember that Jesus is going to say the things he says in chapter 10 because of a negative context. Okay? Okay? He's different. He's a different kind of shepherd than those shepherds. And so there's a second thing I want you to know before we jump in, and it's in the same light. And I, I promise you it's going to make John 10 um, richer or, or more understandable. And that would be these shepherds in John 9, these religious leaders, because that's what shepherds are supposed to be, or religious leaders are supposed to be shepherds, aren't the first abusive shepherds in the history of Israel. This is a a problem that's not a new problem, okay? Let me put it this way. It's really hard to read John chapter 10, as commentators will tell you. It's really hard to read John chapter 10 without having your mind, if you know the Old Testament very well, having your mind automatically go to Ezekiel, okay? So we're going to automatically have our minds, even if our minds weren't naturally going there, go to Ezekiel 34. So uh, the the big introduction to understand John 10 is John 9, but also Ezekiel 34. So if you would look at Ezekiel 34, we're going to look at that chapter, and I can all but promise you it'll help you appreciate what Jesus says in John chapter 10. So Ezekiel 34. Uh, If you don't know where Ezekiel is, it's toward the end of the Old Testament. I've found it for at least three of our young people this morning because I wanted to get them ready. Okay, so if you start finding those big books like Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the book of Psalms is roughly in the middle, okay? If you're new to the Bible, first two-thirds is Old Testament, then you get to Matthew trying to help you. Ezekiel and we 're close to actually Jesus references Ezekiel in john three i think it 's ezekiel thirty six where you 've got to be born again so this wouldn 't be the first time that ezekiel 's relied upon and we 're going to read the whole chapter because it 's so terrible okay ezekiel's a ter- ezekiel is, is a thirty four is a terrible chapter, but it also provides a wonderful opportunity for you and for me to see what God says about terrible shepherding and really he says I am the shepherd these are my sheep and I am going to make sure they get taken care of and oh by the way by way of preview ultimately they're going to be taken care of by me and I'm going to provide a wonderful shepherd named David oh by the way Jesus is the one who comes in the line of David so, so there's, there's do you want to use a big word? Still early. It's not eleven yet. Trajectory, okay? It's moving toward this. He's dealing with Old Testament people who know the Old Testament. They should be aware of these things, and maybe we're not quite as familiar, but but we can get more familiar and 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 see Jesus for who He is. Okay. Did you find Ezekiel yet? <laughs> Thirty-one verses of terrible awesomeness. Okay. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Notice that this is serious. Verse 4 The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. And now I love this. The Lord says, My sheep, my sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every hill, every high hill. The sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, and none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, And my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there is no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep. But the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep. Ah, I'm already getting excited about that. I will rescue my sheep. God is going to do this from their mouths. That they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God. How about this? Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, that they have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into your own land, and I will, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their gazing land. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. It is not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? The answer is no. Verse 20, Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. 24, worth highlighting. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, servanthood theme, suffering servant, think my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace. This is God swearing under oath that this will be the case. Let's keep reading. And banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods, and I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them, deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them, they shall no more be prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations, so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them." And that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord. Terrible and wonderful all at the same time. Just like coffee. (sighs) Sorry, I was talking to kids about that this morning too. you see it's terrible and you think this is just this is terrible this is the anger of the Lord what a terrible chapter and if you're the one abused and you're the one who needs delivering and you're the one who needs to be provided for and to be blessed and to be rescued read saved you say yes he is going to do it he is going to do it and he covenants to do it it's going to happen no matter what this is going to happen And it's so interesting to read Ezekiel 34 side by side with John 9 and 10. You'd have to be pretty smart to not see the connection. It's amazing. It's amazing. The greater David, the ultimate David, is on the scene. He has shown up. He is on earth. Everything is pointing to him as the deliverer, the shepherd of the sheep. And he will be victorious. We're not going to get to it today, but he lays his life down and he raises it up. He is victorious. And he is victorious for everyone who is trusting in him. It does not get much better than that. This morning, we'll look at the first five verses, okay? First five verses of John chapter 10. If you're taking notes and you'd like to have an outline, I'm following an outline of 10 impressive realities about Jesus, the one who is the good shepherd. 10 impressive realities about Jesus, the one who is the great shepherd. If the outline is just getting in the way, I apologize. If it's helpful, you can thank me later. We're going to look at the first five verses. We're just getting started. There's so much to see. Let's go ahead and begin. Number one, Jesus exposes phony shepherds. Jesus exposes phony shepherds verse 1 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus has a habit of saying that in John's Gospel account because of what he's just been saying. It's a connector. Yes, it's saying this is serious, this is sober, but he's carrying over what he was saying and what was happening in chapter 9. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, or the sheep pen, some of your translations might say, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief... And a robber. Jesus is pointing the finger, isn't he? We've just seen evidences of abusive shepherds, okay? And he's pointing the finger at them, no doubt. They are thieves and robbers. They're phonies. They're fakes. They're not legitimate. And Jesus is using this figure of speech, this story, this analogy, whichever one you'd like to call it, of a sheep pen. And there's the door. The door of the sheep pen is the legitimate way to come in and come out. That's what you do. And he's calling the Pharisees and religious leaders illegitimate shepherds. They don't come in the legitimate way. Instead, they sneak in the back way like thieves do. Okay? That's what's happening here. They're unsanctioned. I think that's, that's important because Jesus says it, but, but let's observe. He's, he's name-calling here, but remember, Jesus is not talking to atheists or about atheists. He's not talking to or about polytheists, okay? He's talking to people who say they believe the Bible, He's talking to people who have lots of the Bible memorized. They're claiming to be the ordained, the sanctioned shepherds of Israel, the caretakers of the people of God. And Jesus is calling those kinds of people thieves and robbers. And that's important for us because sometimes we're naive And we think anyone who knows Bible verses, anyone who knows anything about this God uh, and says the right thing, that that they're to be trusted. And Jesus is saying they're illegitimate. They're imposters. They're fakers. They're phonies. So it at least helps us, it helps the original readers of this and the original hearers to know there's more to it. It's great to not be an atheist. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But a mere profession of being Knowing the one true God it is, it's not enough. This is super helpful in our Bibles because otherwise we might just be prone to believe everybody who says something right. These guys would have said a lot of right things. The problem is they're not acknowledging Jesus who's objectively shown himself to be the one they were saying they were waiting for. So let's know that this good shepherd is one who Calls out the fakers. It's part of being good, being a good shepherd. I like it that I'm trusting in this Jesus as my good shepherd and he's willing to warn me. He's willing to warn you and expose those who aren't the real thing. It's a good shepherd. Well, let's move beyond him exposing those who are illegitimate shepherds. Let's go to number two. Another impressive thing about Jesus as the shepherd. Jesus Number two, Jesus claims to be the legitimate shepherd. He claims to be the legitimate shepherd. No surprise to us who've been reading through John. But how about verse 2? Look there if you would. But he who enters by the door, that's the legitimate way to enter into a sheep pen, who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Legitimacy, right? That's what he's calling for. And he is going to be that one. Now, just as, a, as an aside and as a helpful note, when it comes to parables, when it comes to metaphors, when it comes to analogies, when it comes to these kinds of things that Jesus uses, one thing that every Bible interpretation book that's worth its salt says is that these things are not meant to be seen. Every single detail is not meant to correspond to something. It takes a little bit of care and a little bit of looking. Um, to, to use the fancy phrase, I don't even know what this means. Um, the, typically what authors say is these, these metaphors are not meant to walk on all fours. Uh, but the idea is what I was just explaining. They're to make a, a, a single point, a few points, but to look at everything and have it all, each detail correspond to something else is, is not the intent. Jesus talks about he enters through the door because that's what legitimate shepherds do. Well, later he's going to call himself the door. Okay? And it could become confusing. Let's just have this be a simple analogy of making a simple point. If you're a legitimate shepherd, you go into the sheep pen through the door. And however he's gotten there, he said, those guys that we've just been hearing about and learning about aren't legitimate. They're thieves and imposters and fakers. I'm legitimate. I've come the right way with the blessing of God speaking from heaven. I've been doing the objective works the Messiah should do. I'm I'm on target. I'm legitimate. That's the main big idea to, to, to grasp. How about verse three? To him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper or the watchman or the guard opens. It's interesting as well that the Jewish leaders have had a habit of supposedly exposing Jesus as illegitimate. Oh, the guy from Nazareth. Oh, the one who has a carpenter for his dad. Wink, wink. Right? Right? They bring this up every now and then, trying to expose his illegitimacy, supposedly. And here Jesus is calling the shepherds of Israel illegitimate. I came legitimately. I came through all the right structures. I came through the door. Not that it matters a whole lot, but... The, the, the idea is, and if you read background material, would be um, perhaps even because there's different folds, different uh, sheep, uh, this could even be more of a communal kind of, um, stable's not the right word, place where you keep sheep. That sounds fancy. sounds like I've spent a lot of time on a farm. It's a place where you keep sheep, where you could actually come together as families And you could have different pens. You could have them in the same pen. And you're going to hire someone to be the guard. Okay? And who gets in to get out the sheep? Only the one who's truly the shepherd. Okay? And that guard, if it's a good guard, is not going to let just anybody in. And Jesus is saying, I didn't try to sneak in the back and avoid the guard. I've come right to the door, right to the legitimate entrance. Jesus is the true shepherd. He's the greater David. He's the ultimate one. To him, the gatekeeper opens, verse 3. Let's move on to a third. A third striking reality about Jesus as the true shepherd. Number three, Jesus is recognized by true sheep, he's recognized by true sheep verse 3 goes on to say the sheep hear his voice this is going to be repeated in chapter 10 his voice is important true sheep hear his voice we've just seen an analogy uh, uh, an example of a true sheep hearing his voice with the blind man he hears, he's drawn, he's hears. he hears, he's drawn, he hears, he's drawn and before he know, it, he's believing in Jesus and he's worshipping Jesus He's the guy that the the, the faux phony shepherds were, were talking about his sin and his family's sin. Deriding, belittling, putting down, then excommunicating. And Jesus is saying, no doubt to encourage this man and others and you and me, my sheep hear my voice. There's a reason why this man was worshiping me and there's a reason why I didn't turn him away. I'm the true shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. This is exciting. Jesus is recognized by true sheep. And writers who write about the ancient world and issues of shepherding will talk about how shepherds' voices could be distinguished. Maybe you've even got the sheep together in a pen. But what happens is the shepherd is so acquainted and knows his sheep so well and they know him so well that when he has his sheep call probably a technical word for that too, but I don't know what it is. I could talk to you about sheeple. Anyway, <laughs> that's a theologically technical term the pastor's use. Anyway, they hear, and it's not that they all come, those who belong to him come. And Jesus seems to be picking up on that very reality here. True sheep really know his voice. By way of something to write in your margin if you're interested the sheep hear his voice i've got john 668 written down remember in john chapter 6 things are getting things are things are getting hot heated jesus is saying hard things and the people don't like it and people are leaving jesus and jesus says to the disciples do you want to leave too and peter says right where else should we go lord You have the words. You have the words of eternal life. See? Sheep. They hear his voice. True sheep recognize the true shepherd. They hear his voice and they respond. And even though things are terrible circumstantially, true sheep hears his voice. Same thing is true with the man born blind. If he follows Jesus and trusts in Jesus, bad things are going to happen temporarily for him but he's drawn because sheep who truly belong to the shepherd respond to him positively Jesus is recognized by true sheep think about this for us in the here and now it's hard to follow Jesus because of Christian morality it's hard to follow Jesus because sometimes there's persecution. It's hard to follow Jesus because of conflict that it creates sometimes in the closest relationships. And some of you know this well and you're like, but I just can't stop following Jesus. I, 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 I have to. I love him. I, 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 I believe what he says is true. I, I, just, I just can't stop. True sheep hear his voice. It's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. This, by the way, is why we preach His Word, right? As, as Charles Spurgeon said, because we're not trying to amuse the goats. We're trying to feed the sheep, right? Even the hard words, and you say, man, those are hard words, and I don't, they didn't go down very well. That's a big pill to swallow. But you know what? He has the words of eternal life, so where else, where else can I go? makes it exciting. It makes it encouraging, too, if you're that kind of person, it's a good sign. It's a sign of a new nature. Desire. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Doesn't mean I don't have questions. Doesn't mean I don't have conflicts. But it's, this is true. This is right. John six sixty eight. How about number four? Another striking reality about the, the true shepherd, Jesus. Number four, Jesus calls his own sheep by name. Also in verse three. Jesus calls his own sheep by name. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Where am I going to go with that? You already know. We can just skip this point. Get to lunch faster. He knows his own sheep by name. Personal. Right? He really cares. Special. How about this? Individual. It's not that the whole isn't important, but the individual parts are important too. I want this kind of savior. I want this kind of shepherd. It's the kind of shepherd that Jesus really is. You know, when we read our Bible, we we, we have this this dual reality that's not mutually exclusive, that God is great and holy and awesome and high and lifted up. We call it transcendence. There's no one like Him. But what's also true, and specifically and importantly, coming to us in, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd He knows His own, and He knows His own by name. Imminent. You need to know this Jesus if you don't. And if you need to be reminded today, I'm reminding you, He knows His own, and He knows you by name. Intimacy, personal, caring. And how about this? You've got the blind man... No doubt there are going to be other believers. No doubt that they could reach out to him and love him and show some hospitality and some care because now he's part of the people of God, the family of God. But you know as well as I do, if you've been a Christian very long, that they're going to let him down. That they don't make good saviors. So when he has nothing and his best Christian friends don't seem to be so wonderful either because that's life, His good shepherd, unlike those bad shepherds, he knows him by name. And he can comfort him and encourage him by the power of the Spirit and and offer love and kindness like nobody else can. And I want to have that translated into how you think too. He knows you by name. Think how that would have been for an excommunicated new Christian. (laughs) Okay, let's go to number five. Jesus has sheep before they're called by him. Jesus has sheep before they're called by him. In a sense, I want to say Jesus has sheep before they're sheep, which isn't exactly what the text says, and we can do this one rather quickly as well. But it's worth seeing. Look at verse 3 where it says, the sheep hear his voice. So they're they're sheep. They hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And as we're going to see, it's a salvation kind of context where he's going to call them to himself. But they're sheep and he calls them and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but based upon what we've already been seeing in John, and other commentators pick up on this as well, I'm not just making it up, and I'm not the first guy to figure it out. There's a sense in which they're sheep before they're sheep. In other words, they belong to him in a sense, a very real sense, because they're sheep before he calls them. To borrow from What we're going to hear in John chapter 10, verse 26 on the negative, but you do not believe, I won't point you guys over here, you who do not believe, John chapter 10, verse 26, because you are not among my sheep. See, you you don't believe because you're, you're not among my sheep. You're not my sheep because you're not among my sheep. Point being, there's a sense in which we belong to him even before we believe. There's a purpose, okay? There's a divine purpose. There's a plan, right, that reaches into eternity past, if we're going to borrow from Ephesians chapter 1. And you say, well, that's, I don't know, you might think I don't like that. I like that. I don't know what I think about that. I never thought about that. You're all welcome. Glad you're here. I want it to be encouraging. I find it encouraging. There, there, there's a real sense in which those who are his sheep will hear his voice, and when he calls, they will respond. It's exciting. It reminds me of Acts thirteen, forty eight. All those who believed had been appointed unto eternal life. Huh. Wow. What a powerful Savior shepherd he is now this brings up lots of questions and we're not going to answer any of them today he's not reactionary plan purpose father sends to do a job to do to do a ministry to do something significant and it's going to happen it's exciting i don't know what kind of savior you have but i hope he's this kind confidence let's move on to number six Another extraordinary, striking thing about Jesus as the shepherd. Jesus leads his sheep to what is good. Jesus leads his sheep to what is good. Verse 3 again. After he calls his own by name and leads them out. Doesn't sound too good at first. But it's a good context, so we, we know there's a hint at least. He leads them out. Well, if you're in a pen, you like to be let out, right? Right? To be led out. And if we look at a greater context, how about in verse 9? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be, ah, saved. Keep listening. He'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So the out thing is pasture. He's, the, the, the scripture is going to interpret the scripture for us. So he gives them what's good. He leads his sheep to what is good. He lets leads them out to Pasture. And it interprets it for us, the pasture is symbolic, not just of any and all good things, though that's included. It's symbolic of what? The pasture is what? Salvation. That's where he's leading them, that's where he's taking them. The phony shepherds take their people to condemnation, which is where they're going. On another occasion, Jesus refers to the religious leaders, converts, as twice the sons of hell. I don't even know how that's possible. But they're they're, they're so unreachable, it's not even funny to put it in pat vernacular. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus leads his sheep only in what's good. In particular, he leads them into salvation. He's the greatest. I mean, all I can do is just keep saying to you, trust Jesus. And if you're trusting in Jesus, he's worthy of your trust. And by the way, he's been showing himself to be qualified as the one coming to the legitimate door all along. This may, I'm not sure, commentators say it this way as well, so I will. This may be some sort of fulfillment of what was was a type in the Old Testament. So, to be technical, you have types and antitypes. Fulfillment, antitype is the fulfillment. The Apostle Paul talks about this. The book of Hebrews talks about the the Old Testament world, the Old Covenant world with the temple and with the sacrifices and all of these types and symbols intentionally by divine design, not by luck. Intentionally by divine design serving the purpose of pointing to the substance, the greater reality which belongs to Christ. Sometimes it's a challenge to know what qualifies as a type and what doesn't qualify as a type. This might be a fulfillment of a type in Numbers. Plenty of people think that it is. In Numbers, you have Moses, a shepherd. And listen to what it says. Numbers 27. Listen for New testament e sounding things. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them. That's shepherd talk. And who shall lead them out. Where did we hear that before? And shall lead them out, shepherd talk, and bring them in, shepherd talk, just like we're hearing in John chapter 10, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. God, provide this great shepherd, provide this to happen, please. And we go on to read that that is going to be Joshua. Verse 18, so the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Appoint Joshua, whose Septuagint name in Greek, Joshua, is Jesus. And by the way, Joshua for sure didn't ultimately deliver because he too was a sinner. Consider that in light of the Pharisees' boastings. Just in chapter 9, you might not remember, just in chapter 9, they said this. They reviled Jesus and they said, you are, or or the, the blind man, excuse me, about Jesus. You are his disciple, Jesus' disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Well, it's good to be a disciple of Moses. They're liars, they're not. The expectation ultimately goes beyond Moses. It ultimately goes beyond Joshua. To the ultimate Yeshua. To Jesus himself. What point was I trying to make with that on my outline? I don't know. Jesus leads his sheep in what is good. Life. Number seven. Whoever invented clocks is a blessed saint. Um, yeah, we can do this. We can do it super fast. Jesus cares for all his sheep. He cares for all his sheep. Okay? When, verse four, when he has brought out all his own, let's just interpret it now, none will be lost. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. John 6.39, Jesus says, I will lose nothing. So be encouraged. None of his sheep are ever lost. So there's assurance in the true shepherd. Number eight, another striking reality about Jesus. Jesus leads all of his sheep. We see this in verse 4 with the all emphasis. He brought out all his own. We just saw that. He goes before them. He goes before all of them. So he leads all of them. He's going to protect all of them. He's going to be there for all of them. Not just the, the big wigs or the leaders or the ones who sit in special chairs kind of thing like it used to be. It's, for, it's all inclusive. He leads all of them. Notice he's in the front. Sometimes people make a big deal out of that. He's not like the shepherd who drives them from the back. He leads in the front. Number nine, Jesus is followed by all of his sheep. That's striking. He's followed by all of his sheep. So we have the all word in verse four. So it's inclusive. He goes before them. So he's leading. But notice who follows. And the sheep, that would be all of the sheep in our context, follow him for they know his voice something similar to what we saw earlier, real sheep, all of them follow Jesus. Sheep aren't perfect. Sheep need care. Sheep need help. Sheep need nurturing. Sheep need discipline. Sheep need all of these things. So we're not putting the emphasis on the sheep. We're putting it on the shepherd. But all of his sheep do follow him. And that has real life implications in just even how you think. Number 10, finally, Jesus is not confused with others by his sheep. Jesus is not confused with others by his sheep. Really, this point should be, Jesus' sheep don't confuse him with others, but then it wouldn't have followed the flow of the outline, okay? I wanted to start with Jesus. In other words, Jesus, I'll say it again, is not confused, so we don't confuse Jesus with others by his sheep. This means discernment. How about verse 5, and we'll end on this. A stranger they will not follow. He was talking about all of the sheep. A stranger they will not follow. They're not confused about fake shepherds and true shepherds. They will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Let me ask you, does this mean that no false shepherds have followers. doesn't mean that. But it does mean positively that those who truly belong to Jesus, who are His sheep, are going to be discerning. And they know His voice, but there's a level of discernment. Maybe it increases. Maybe it gets better. We can do all of that kind of stuff in other contexts. But the point is, in the end, let's just say it that way for qualification for now at least. They follow Jesus as their true shepherd. And they say no to fake shepherds. It's important to see that. There is discernment. Again, we're coming off chapter 9. The man born blind is supposed to follow all these other shepherds. It's all he's ever known. And he follows the true shepherd And he rejects the fake shepherds. It's because God did a work in his life. He's a believer. He's a worshiper of the one true Lord Jesus Christ now. And things change and discernment comes about. It's really extraordinary. It's really extraordinary. We're going to look at John kind of a a piece at a time like this. Maybe somewhere along the line we'll try to do the whole thing. I haven't figured it out. Figured out how we're going to do all of that yet, but there's so much involved. And the great thing is, there are so many great things about Jesus and His sheep because of who He is and what He does. It's a worship fest, is what it really is. What we're going to go on to hear about Jesus is He lays His life down for the sheep, and as I mentioned earlier, He raises His life up again for the sheep. That's why we call Him our Savior. That's why we have eternal life. That's why we are going to, after I pray, celebrate the Lord's Supper. In remembrance of Him, the laying His life down, raising up His life again for His sheep shepherd. That's why we point to him and not to ourselves, okay? So pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came and spoke so clearly, though controversially at times. Thank you that we don't have to look to ourselves and we don't have to look to others ultimately, but we can look beyond to the historic Jesus the one who came here and lived and died and rose again and who is now ascended and who is now at your right hand claiming us as his own. We're thankful that he didn't leave us here as orphans, even though temporarily he gave us his spirit that, it might indwell, that he might indwell us and lead us and guide us. Thank you that he gave us his word, he gave us his church, and he gave us the supper. That we might be reminded of his greatness, that we might worship him and, and find our confidence in him. As we eat and as we drink, may our our hearts be stirred uh, in affection for Jesus, the one who knows us, and because of your grace, the one that we can know, not just intellectually, but relationally. In his name we pray, amen.